So, today's talk is actually about a judgment. Just judgment. You may have seen the title of the talk. Oh, later, there's a beautiful hair in my soup. And I'll tell you about that in just a moment. But I want to I give you the definition of judgment. The metaphysical meaning of judgment. The mental act of evaluation through comparison or contrast. Spiritual discernment. The inner voice through whose expression we come into a larger realization of ourselves. Judgment is a faculty of the mind that can be exercised in two ways, from sense perception or spiritual understanding. If its action be based on sense perception, its conclusions are fallible and often con condemnatory. I don't know if you use that word. If based on spiritual understanding, they are safe. What does that imply? If they're not based on spiritual understanding, not so safe. Now, in the Metaphysical Bible Dictionary, the word judgment is interpreted as the description of the last judgment as given in the Gospels and has been used to terrify people. Anybody? <laughs> uh, thus compel them to unite with the church. It's like, you should be afraid, so come to us. <laughs> yeah, we're crazy. Uh, I don't say that. I say you should be happy and joy-filled, so come to us. We offer that here. Yay. Uh, they ask for understanding. Compel them to unite with the church, but in this day of enlightenment, people are not so easily led or driven by fear. They ask for understanding. When they seek light concerning the judgment, it is given. And they learn that the judgment is all a matter of divine law. They find that for every departure from this law, they must suffer. Anybody? Every time you try to skirt the law, every time you try to get around what you know to be right and true, you suffer in some way. There's something lacking. There's something missing. Every time. You know, anybody here who's ever, I'm not asking for a show of hands. Anybody here who's ever stolen, you've had secrets, you may not have gotten caught. But you suffer because you know your faith was such that you have so little you have to steal. Every time we lie, we know that our faith is so questionable that we have to lie because we're afraid that somebody won't like us, we're afraid we'll get caught, we're afraid of others' opinions of us. That's skirting the law. That's trying to get around divine law, that, that we lie and then we suffer from within with the secret that we're going to get caught. And it doesn't ever matter if we get caught because we know. When we go against what we know to be right and what we know to be true, we suffer. So let's pay attention to that in our, in, I'll keep moving on. Uh, they, people ask for understanding. When they seek light concerning the judgment, it is given and they learn that the judgment is, a, is all a matter of divine law. They find that for every departure they must suffer, not in some future time of great tribulation, not in a great judgment after death, but in this life, here and now. What is the divine law? It is the universal something in us of which we are conscious that tells us when we are doing right and when we are doing wrong. It may be defined as the innate knowing of right and wrong, and this knowing 
may be quickened, cultivated. This quickening does not come by the study of material things, but by concentrating the mind, and as they put it, as Charles Fillmore put it, on the Christ. But you could also say, if you don't like that word, I think it's a great word, I use it a lot, uh, the Christ. But you could also say by focusing on the truth. And what is the truth? That which does not change. That is the truth. Principle, same thing. Based on that which does not change, will not ever change, cannot ever change. Let me uh, fill you all in. Some of you know this. Some of you have not yet accepted this. Your opinions are never the truth. No. Uh, see? <laughs> see? I knew there was somebody here who didn't yet grasp that. Take that information with you, you poor thing, and uh, take it into the world. Take it into your work, your home. <laughs> uh, but that which does not change. My opinions are going to keep changing. My weight is going to keep changing. So my weight is not the truth. So to hate myself for whatever I weigh is foolish because it's not true. Hate is not true. Isn't that a relief? Hate is not true. What I like isn't true. It's nice usually, but it's not true. Because it'll change. Let somebody cross me. I don't like you anymore. I'm not going to play with you anymore. And, uh, and so to look at all that and go, oh, my judgment, my discernment. You do this and I will hate you. You do this and I will love you. There is my insane uh, judgments. So, waiter, there's a beautiful hair in my soup. When I was at Vipassana, that's in Goenka, who does the lectures each night. He's no longer with us. It's all done on video. And we get these discourses, nightly discourses. And it's kind of like watching Jackie Mason. He's very funny. Uh, but, and he points out our crazy thinking. Uh, and, uh, and, he, and one of the nights he's talking about, you know, you see someone with beautiful hair. You know, you, they're sitting across from you in, the, in a restaurant somewhere. And they've got this long, beautiful, you have to, oh, what beautiful hair. How could I ever have that beautiful? How could I ever have it? And then they bring your soup, and there's a hair in your soup. That's <laughs> <laughs> not such beautiful hair anymore, is it? <laughs> what happened? A minute ago, it was beautiful hair. Now it's in my soup. He goes on to say, oh, you see a woman with beautiful fingernails, and they're all done. And suddenly there's one in your muffin, and it's like, oh! <laughs> That's so gross! <laughs> what happened? I thought my judgment was true about the hair. Well, then it's, how is it not always beautiful? If it was beautiful there, how is it not beautiful here wilting in my soup? How's the fingernails? They're only beautiful when they're on the hand. Not so beautiful in my muffins. <laughs> and, and it's, that's how we look at, at a lot of things. We judge, and we judge wrongly. Uh, but the, the, and the reason, most of the reason why we judge wrongly is we think our judgments are important. We get together, especially people who drink. Have you ever noticed that? People who drink, they think their opinions are really important. Uh, well, you got to listen to this. No, no more, no more. But, but, it's, but we get together and we talk and we're at, we're at lunch, at dinner, at church, after church, on the phone. 
And, and we talk as if, as if these judgments, because we forgot often to put love in with the judgment. And I've been doing the 12 power meditations this week at the, at the retreat every morning. And I've been talking about our 12 divine mind faculties. Judgment sits right here in the solar plexus, but love sits in the heart. And I always say they have to work together. Love and, and, and uh, well, it used to be called judgment. Now it's called wisdom. Uh, Myrtle Fillmore, not Myrtle Fillmore, Cora Fillmore, Charles' second wife, she changed it. She felt judgment was, well, a little judgy. And, uh, and, uh, but wisdom, working with love, it, it sounds nicer and it feels nicer and I can get my mind on it better. But it, it's the same thing. But I have to use love in this. Uh, love without wisdom is, is, is just too flighty, whimsical. And wisdom without love is too rigid just based on the rules and it has to be this way. So when, the, when they get together and we can wake up to, I don't need my opinions to be right. I enjoy my opinions. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe, maybe, and take this in, maybe my opinions are just too small for the God being that I am. If I wish harm to any being, then my opinions about that being is too small for the God being that I am. If I am inflicting harm on myself because I think I ought to somehow, my opinions are just too small for the God being that I am. If I hate your music, whatever it may be, your taste of music, then my opinion is too small for the God being that I am. Does this make sense? This work for you? So to pay attention to that and say, oh, I hate your haircut. Oh, I hate this. I hate that. Stop hating. Stop hating things. Stop hating people. Stop, all it leads is you to hate yourself. Trust me on this. Any hate you have putting out there, it's coming through you. Any hate, any hate that you have, that you're seeing in the world, it's coming through you. So you get the hate first, and it affects your vital organs, it affects your heart, it affects your skin, it affects your diet, it affects every part of you. I don't know that it puts floaters in, that might be separate from hate, but it's, uh, <laughs> but you know, we, we get sick, I don't know how I got sick, well, check your hate meter. And some people say, I don't hate. I, I don't have anybody left to forgive. I say, you're so, so wrong. You are so wrong. You have somewhere you have forgiveness work to do. I thought my, my, my teacher said, when somebody said, do, how do you know if you still have forgiveness work to do? And her response is, do you still have a body? <laughs> There's stuff sitting in the cells that needs to be looked at for, for healing work and, and for, for the realization of our oneness within our Christ mind, within our superconscious mind. Within, and so with love, with love in its reality, not in its niceness, not in its romanticism, but true love. Here, here's the, whatever God is, and I don't think of God as a person ever. God is not thinking about me. This may upset some people, but God is not thinking about you either. 
God doesn't think that that's not how God works. Remember, we made up the word to describe what is just too big to describe. We had to find a teeny tiny word to communicate with each other. But let's make our communications bigger. Let's not, because God's a teeny tiny word, don't make God small. And a lot of people, a lot of religionists and stuff, they, 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 they keep God small and they keep us small. And then we agree and we stay small and we don't have to. You know, we as beings, as spirit beings, are so much bigger than the earth. We are so much bigger than our thinking. We are so much bigger than our opinions we are, and our perceptions. We are so much more than that. And it's daunting. And, and we get frustrated because we want words that describe all that bigness. And that's what keeps us small. If we would let go of the need to have words to box it in, to put God in a box, put love in a box, put my neighbors in a box, put my relationship in a box, put my money in a box, so then I can look at it in that little box and think, oh, that's what it is. Look at that. Look at that is. But we don't, a lot of us don't want to put our opinions in a box. We want our opinions to spread and grow. So we call each other on the phone to voice our opinions. We go to lunch to talk about our opinions. We do, do you believe this? This And it's like, oh, let's let that expand. And, and hate just grows. Hate of self, hate of each other. Because my hate is so big, I can't take it all on myself. I have to give it to you, too. <laughs> I have to hate you, too. Um, I, my, I'm going to hate them. I'm going to hate the people at the movie theater. I'm going to hate the people at the grocery store. I'm going to remember in COVID how mad we get when somebody was coming up the wrong aisle, the, the aisle the wrong way. How dare that? There's an arrow there. Don't you see that? Remember? And you don't have a mask. And, you don't, and we would hate them rather than gently. They've designated aisles to go a certain way, and let's try to agree. Right now, it seems to be a group conscious. There's an arrow going this way, and we go around, and we go the other way with our cart rather than being defiant. And I, and, and, and so we become, we don't have to hate. Some people, remember, when we're at a pandemic or like when the World Trade Center went down, things like that, big, big, huge things, people get wonky. They get discombobulated. And they're not there to be our healthy mother. They are another being, another human being. You know, I, I, I work harder and harder on this. Somebody's coming down a one-way street the wrong way, rather than hating them and laying on my horn, don't you know? I say, I try, if I say anything, I say, going the wrong way. It's, it's a one-way street. And then I can go on about my business. But if I, but this is where I, my anger is looking for a home and the person going the wrong way, oh man, they're going to get a load of me. What's that term? Big load of whoop ass. <laughs> you know, and it's, and it's ridiculous and it's unnecessary. I don't have to send my anger out into the world. And I don't have to eat my anger. I, uh, years ago, when I was starting to get healthy, I was with groups of things, healthy groups, 12-step and what have you, 
And I remember one day I was, I was coming out of my apartment and I had my rollerblades on. I lived on the third floor, no, no elevator. And this woman I'd never seen before was coming up the steps and she saw my blades. And I was so proud that I was rollerblading. That was a big deal for me that I was fearlessly and courageously rollerblading in the city. <laughs> and, and, I, and I was about to go down the steps. She said, you go down steps in those things? And I was not in the mood for that kind of fear and anger coming at me. And I said, yes, I do. Now this whole exchange happened. She keeps going up and I'm starting to go down. And she said, well, if I had my way, you wouldn't be allowed in the street in those things. And I called her a name. After I told her, she, well, you lose then, don't you? Yes, something. And, uh, <laughs> and I thought, it's 8.30 in the morning on a Monday, and I was on my way to do volunteer work. Because <laughs> I am a giver. And I, uh, and I thought, what is it like to be called that at 8.30 on a Monday morning? And then I went on my way to do my work. The other day in a subway, again, I'm on my way to do volunteer work. Giver. And I, uh, I'm at the subway, and I, uh, I, I, I gave a $5 bill, and I, I needed four tokens. That's what they cost then, $1.25. And, and, and she was scotch-taping together a dollar bill. The train came, the train left. My guts were in a turmoil. And I thought, what do I do to her? If I take the tokens and I just go sit on the platform and wait, I'm going to hate her and me. What do I do? What do I do? So I said, give me back my money. Like I'm at Macy's. I said, give me back my money. She hurled the $5 underneath the window there. And I called her or something. And then I walked the 26 blocks to where I was volunteering because, as I said, I'm a giver. And, I, uh, <laughs> and then another day, I'm rollerblading from therapy to a 12-step meeting. I'm coming up 6th Avenue at 42nd Street. And there's an older woman. She's crossing the street against the light. It was not her light. It was my light. And she started it. <laughs> and she, she turned to me and she gave me instructions that have two words involved in them. And I'm not going to say them in church. Well, the only response I could do was say it back to her. <laughs> and then she said it back to me. And then I said it back to her. The light changed and I went on to my 12-step meeting. On the sixth step, Entirely ready to have these defects of our character removed. <laughs> and that's the day I got it. I didn't make up one bit of this. I want you to know every story I just told you is true, or at least accurate. Uh, but I got it that day. I thought, oh, this doesn't feel better either. You know, it's, it doesn't feel good to just sit on a plat subway platform and eat your guts out because you didn't say anything. Neither does it feel good to attack put them in their place. So I had to find new ways. I had to find new ways to deal with my judgment. New ways. I had to align myself with what I called God, with what I called love, in order to deal with these things so that I wasn't just spreading more uh, misery around. Because I thought about these, I thought, what is it like? What does it feel like to be called these names? I wouldn't like it. Somehow, you know, with the older woman who yelled those two words at me three times, uh, it really felt like I'm rubber, you're glue. <laughs> Say to me, bounces off me and back to you and sticks to you because it, it didn't affect me that way. My hollering that at her is what I saw. Oh, the hatred in my body right now is not from her. It's from me.
and I can't afford that. And so what do I do? So I, over the years, have looked more and more into aligning with spirit, what I know to be spirit, and I fall short of the ideal every so often, frequently probably. But I, I catch myself faster than ever before. And some days I say, I apologize. I actually say that quickly. Other days, I have to go on about my business because I don't know where they are. And other days, I go through the day thinking, I wish I was right. I wish I was right. I wish I was right. And I'm not. And I'm not. And I don't sleep well on those days. I'm uncomfortable when I get into bed on those days. This morning, now I haven't picked up my notebook lately to have my conversation with Spirit. My hello, Spirit. Hello, Sean. And a little back and forth. And this morning, I was disturbed about someone. My thoughts about someone. And I was inspired. I heard the voice said, Sean, you got your notebook right here. Have the conversation. And I said, Spirit, tell me what to think about this, this person. See, I don't have to write the whole story because if Spirit doesn't know the story, what's the point? Uh, but I said, tell me what to, what to think about this, this someone and what I think they did and what I think they did to me. And, and, and I heard Sean just love them. Don't worry about what they did. They didn't do anything that could actually hurt you. You chose to be offended by, by what they did. You chose to feel undermined by what they did. But their, rest assured, their intention was never to hurt you. They just weren't paying attention to you. And it's, it's not, you know, don't you wish everybody paid attention to us? <laughs> and, uh, but I could accept that, and I was so grateful, so grateful that I, the voice said, Sean, pick up your notebook, have a visit with Spirit today. And so I, I did, and I found the solution to my resentment, which was to let, let the resentment go. And some might say, what do you do if you can't do that? And I say, well, keep working at it, keep asking, keep looking. Because you don't want your judgments clouded with false perceptions. I don't want to be hated by anyone in my mind. You know, we see so much in the world now. There's uh, so much anti-Semitism and homophobia and racism. We see so much of it going on and it riles us up. How do we, in our prayer life, diminish all that? How do we, in our prayer life, in our thinking, because I do know that screaming and hollering about people who it seems they would have me dead, isn't the solution. That is absolutely not the solution. You know, hating Hitler is not the solution. Hating Nazis is not the solution. Hating racists is not the solution. Unity. How do we go about loving ourselves so much that I could look at someone who seems to hate me and love them too? There's where love and wisdom work together. Because love is the answer. Love has always been the answer. But we, and we come to unity to learn more about it. And 
what every day, every day, check your willingness rate level. Am I willing to love today a little more than yesterday? What would I do that's loving today? Perhaps it is pray differently. Perhaps it's even get down on your knees and pray. Perhaps it's learn a new affirmative prayer that affirms the good in you and all beings. To do our research so that our judgments are no longer condemnatory. Oh, look at me, I used that word twice today. Uh, <laughs> and, and so we're not condemning society. We're not condemning our neighbors. We're not condemning our friends and our family. And most, most of all, we're not condemning ourselves. You know, if we had a, a, a friend or a family member who was uh, obviously mentally ill, we would get them help and we would do things. It's, it's the insidious mental illness. I grew up with it. I experienced it. Some days I think I still have it. But I, I pay more attention and I get it help. And I seek to be kind to it and more loving. And then other days I just forget. But I see, I see friends of mine become bullies to people who have a mental illness because they walk around normally and they walk around well-dressed and they, you know, they walk around like, and they hold jobs. But the peace is missing, the peace of love is missing in them. And rather than help to give them the peace of love, we condemn them, we condemn them. So I ask us all today to look at ourselves and choose love. Of all the choices we can make, we can choose love. If you have an issue with substance, choose love instead of the substance. If you have doubts, choose love instead of the doubt. If you have resentments, choose love instead of the resentment today. And you'll find out what it means to choose love. You'll do something, you'll think something kind, you'll say, oh, where did that thought come from? It's kind and it's loving. I didn't see that coming. I'll say, we go from there. So let me read a couple of things and then we'll, we'll complete, us, complete here. From the Holy Spirit's interpretation of the New Testament. It comes from Luke chapter 6, and it says, Judgment is a way of looking at the world and deciding what is good and what is bad, or what is right and what is wrong. You've been taught within the world how to exercise your judgment so that it is good judgment, in quotes, for even judgment itself can be good or bad, right or wrong. Now I ask that you forget everything that you have been taught and everything that you have learned. For if you know nothing, you cannot judge. Any judgment that, that, that you make and accept as a belief in your mind is a mistake. For any judgment that you make assumes something within illusion is real. And within its realness, something is better or more valuable than something else. Judgment accepts as real and then separates. So all judgment must be of the ego. Look over here at Corinthians. Don't worry about that. Corinthians chapter 10. There is no right and there is no wrong. There is no right thing to do and there is no mistake. Do not judge yourself on this criteria. Become as an empty shell, remembering that you do not know. If you will let go of judgment and give everything to me, I will judge it for you. I will not judge it as good or bad or right or wrong. I will only judge it as true or untrue. Then you may choose if you want that which is true, if you desire the untrue a little longer. 
Remember that an empty shell holds only its casing, and that is trust. Remember what your true desire is, for you do know. Listen to your own heart and choose what is given as true. What is not given, do not choose. In this way, you cease to think for yourself and you become as an empty shell. And finally, this comes from Revelation chapter 14. It says, The hour of God's judgment is the hour of your release. For this is the hour when, filled with the faith in God that comes from the knowledge of truth within, you shall say no to all that is fake, all that is false. This is the hour of putting aside all that is not real, so only the reflection of realness can be experienced within the mind. Choose love. Choose love. Choose love. Let that be your judgment. Thank you.